We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always. For locking in, whether you're listening to this on the audio side, whether you're checking us out on YouTube, I appreciate you all. Make sure you subscribe and follow if you haven't done so already. Helps us continue to grow this show. This is dropping on Thursday. I'm joined by a very good friend, a level-headed friend of mine, and sometimes I feel like I need that in my life right now. Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. You know, we talked for maybe just a handful of minutes before we uh, hit this record button here, Anth. And I typically hate with a passion when the Bills play on Thursday night. I hate all Thursday night games, but I really hate when the Bills play because, uh, first of all, you get in the game early in the week. Often it's pretty ugly on Thursdays. I just, podcasting-wise, there's a routine, a schedule where you kind of have things going week by week, and that kind of screws things up. And then you get to Sunday, and your favorite football team's already played. It just feels all different. But... There was ever a week I need I need the Bills to get back out on the football field. It's this week and it's tonight. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Listen, it is uh I'm glad to be back with you. I was excited when I got your message asking me to come on the show this week because it was like I felt like if there was ever a week where it was just like, yeah, I definitely need to be on with Pat. This was the the one. And and you know, I always try to stay pretty even keeled. As frustrated as I am, you might be like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is your your level of frustration, like, come on, man. But it just, uh, it's almost like will be therapeutic. I think for, at least for myself today, I know you've had a few shows since Sunday night's loss, but, uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be, to be on with you and kind of put that Patriots game in the, uh, in the past and, and look forward to Thursday night. And I agree, like usually Thursday night football, it's just like, oh my gosh, you're either, you know, you got something else going on. It just sort of like, messes up your flow of the the week or you look forward to those you know to football on Sundays right no matter what time the team is playing but uh yeah it's it's good to get back on the field sooner rather than later with this one this has been a incredibly frustrating week uh I know you haven't been on like Twitter a lot which 
I credit you greatly. Sometimes you just kind of need to get away from people and then uh, their emotions. And, and, you know, as a fan, you, you deal with it your way. And there's all different types of fans. And this is one thing I respect about you because you and I are, are different. We're both frustrated that that we share sure. in common for sure. But I am much more outward and uh, maybe overly emotional. And somebody like yourself, while frustrated, is a little more even keel. Like you're able to compartmentalize things better than me. And it's been an ugly week. And I knew that Sunday, you know, during that game, I felt as frustrated as I was with the loss. The thing that bothered me even more is somebody who has a daily podcast now. And part of my gig is I need to be on social media. I'm constantly, whether it's putting up clips. I'm interacting, you know, fans watch the show, they listen to the show. And again, I appreciate them all. And they have their things to say. And I want to be able to be uh, engaged and interact with them as much as I can with their reason. But I knew minutes after that game ended, what an ugly ass week this was going to be on social media, because you have your overreactionary crowd, you have your, the sky is falling crowd, you have the everything is fine crowd, you have your condescending crowd. You just, no matter, you know what I mean? There's just a, a bunch of mixes getting in there, uh, thrown into one. Let me start by this, because I, I, I think, generally speaking, you're a pretty positive person. You know, we've referred to Ted Lasso many, many times throughout me having on, you on the show so much. The season's not over. I mean, no. I, in the moments that followed these losses, I've said, <laughs> I've said it is. I still feel a certain way because of the injuries, but... This is keeping things in perspective, and you do this really well. It's still four and three football team after seven weeks going into a game tonight that is extremely winnable. Yeah, it, it's extremely winnable, but it's also against one of those opponents that, I mean, listen, you could say this about the the Patriots and about the Giants, like two teams that you're clearly better than. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay kind of reminds me of the old Buffalo teams a little bit, right? Like, yeah, you got a question at quarterback, a guy that can play good enough. So I, I don't use this term lightly, and I realize even it, it's still just talking about week eight, but I do consider it a must-win game for sure. the Bills. Right. When you look at the difference of of where things can can be right now and that stretch of games coming up. And I again, I don't say that likely. Right. I mean, everyone could be like, well, like, listen, every game's a, a must win in the NFL and this and that. But I think for where things are are going and where they've been these past couple of weeks, it's just like the Bills do not look like a good football team. And you can say, you know, hey, you go back to it. Any win is a good win. The Going back to the Giants, you know victory and things like that, that, you know, at the end of the season, no one's going to put an asterisk next to to that one because of what took place. But yeah, I do feel like Thursday night is a must win for the bills. And it feels weird saying that at week eight, but uh, I'm going to say it. It's, um, it's not pouring, but it's raining. You know what I mean? That's yeah. how it is right now in the Buffalo bills. It's not quite pouring yet, but it is definitely a steady rainfall that is going on uh, over this team. Look, you know, sometimes when we do this show, especially near the end, which we're going to do a little bit of today as well, we, we have a little bit of fun, kind of, and usually it's nostalgic because you and I are up there. You know, we're not kids anymore. We're not, I mean, we're not that old, but we're we're getting there. And so we take these like little nostalgic trips. I feel, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, film 
but more so these advanced metrics that quite frankly, whether it's football and especially hockey, I'm going to be honest with you, hockey, I don't even understand half of what these numbers even mean anymore. But th- that's what's going around and, and kind of dominating social media this week is the Bills still by most advanced metrics, whether it's DVO, DVOA or EPA and all this other stuff. Again, some of it I understand, some not quite so much. That suggests that this Bills offense is still borderline elite. And then you have people like us. I feel like I can speak for you on this too, where it's like, well, I care about the scoreboard. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't yeah. understand necessarily all these little metrics that may or may not mean much. I, I feel like that's part of the discourse, the disconnect right now between some fans and other fans, some content creators and other content creators with respect to everybody, you know, along the way, the metrics show that the Bills offense is really good still. And I see an offense and, and the excuse will be, well, you know, a couple bad luck things here, a drop here, a drop there. I'm like, well, that's what makes an offense good. It's finishing drives. To me, it's like a boxer, and this might be a stupid uh, comparison, but it's the only thing I can pop in my mind. It's like a boxer that looks really good, doing a lot of jabs, racking up the points, but at the end of the fight, you're you're laying on the ground, you're looking up the lights because you got knocked out. You know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah. how I feel about this offense right now, but can it get a little bit frustrating sometimes when you're getting stats thrown at you that it doesn't feel like it should mean much to you because of how the offense has looked, especially in the first half? Yeah, it, you know what? It's And it's so... uh it's interesting as you say that because, right, I mean, listen, we can look at statistics in any way, shape, or form. And if, if you want to go through something, I can find positives in a lot of situations. I can find mm-hmm. negatives in a lot of situations. And that goes with statistics or the eye test, and, and a lot of that comes about. And I think with it, it's just like you want those two things to marry each other, to marry one another, right? You want the statistics to back up the eye test, you want the the eye test to back up the statistics. And and right now those two things aren't happening. I, I keep going back to the Giants game and you're probably like, good gosh, we said we were going to stop talking about this such a long time ago. But even like that second half against the Giants, okay, you know, the Bills had what? Three possessions in that game. You know, they scored touch or in, the, in that half. They scored touchdowns on, you know, on two of them. Then you miss a field goal that kind of would have iced things. And, and again, my memory is a little foggy with this, but like you go, you go through it and it's like, hey, from each of those situations, you had a, a scoring chance on each of those drives. But as you look at it, it could be like, man, but it, it, those drives took up a lot of clock, right? And the, the Giants defense took up a lot of clock and those things like it just doesn't look as uh as smooth as maybe we have been used to it it looking and 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 listen we can say with with any of it like this is a team that is meant to pass the eye test right it's not about winning ugly with with this group that is this is not what that squad is this is not what fans are are accustomed to so and just to your earlier point too it's like people are going to react to these past couple of weeks differently and it's yeah. like, I'm going to react differently than you do. It doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. It's just like, that is how I'm feeling. And if I want to feel one way and you want to feel another, that's all right, man. That's, that is okay. Yeah. You know, thank you for that. You're right. And like, you look at the offense, we all know about the 10 points in the, in the first three halves combined, but even the success, like last week against the Patriots, well, they scored 15 points, one in the final six minutes. So you can look at it that way that they pour it on when they have to, or you can look at it as well for 53 minutes, they scored 10 points. You know, it's just like you can kind of fill a narrative to fill it the way that 
you want to. One thing we should all agree right now is that the offense needs to get better and cut down on mistakes. The mistakes are definitely, you know, the offense might be a lot better if it were not for some dumb mistakes too, whether they're really untimely penalties, a, a bad drop by a certain tight end that I still like as a human being very much, very, very much, but not having a good year. And maybe the wrist, I'm talking about Dawson Knox, obviously. Maybe the wrist, you know, having the surgery this week, maybe that affected his play for a, a good chunk of the season because it was obvious. That's not the same Dawson Knox that I've seen the last few years. Uh, but anyway, you know, then there's lots of suggestions about what the Bills offense should do. Um, Deion Dawkins had a, uh, his contract restructured, and now there's rumors anyway of sure. uh, of uh, trades. I said this before. Let, let, let me ask you this. Before we get into the, to the Bucs, because that's primarily what I wanted to talk about today and things that I think that we want to see from this game that'll be, uh, like I said, um, played tonight because we're listening to this or people are listening on Thursday. But DeAndre Hopkins is back in the mix in, amongst fans when it comes to uh, Bill's trade possibilities. I just, I tweeted about this. I don't see it happening. I don't think they're going to do much, if anything, on the offense. Um, I, I still, I still like Gabe Davis and I feel like I'm on an Island now at that point with him, but they're going to add anything. If Brandon Bean's going to add something and I really think he needs to, it's got to be on the defense and, and all due respect, not Eli and who just signed with the bills for the 10,000th time, you know, this week off, off the Atlanta practice squad, but Add to the defense, maybe, but I, I just I don't see a, a big offensive move coming here, and I don't necessarily think they need it. Yeah, it's interesting because I think um, as fans, right, it's fun to talk about DeAndre Hopkins. I have fun, you mm -hmm. know. Everybody kind of knows the bit at this point where it's like, you know, I'll talk about Derrick Henry and what that can mean. Those are the things that are that are exciting and kind of spark some emotion in the conversation. When you look at the Bills' defense, and, and it, again, my opinion that is where you need to add something. And I don't think it's at cornerback. I think you're fine with Benford and um, Dane Jackson and, and even Kyrie Elam, right, who I'm, I'm more of a fan with. At least it's like, listen, if that's your third cornerback at this this time period. But when you look at how the, the Bills have been beaten the, the last two games, right, and again, I know they won the game against the Giants, but I mean losing up the middle, like just kind of what has taken place there, yeah, if Ed Oliver does not play against Tampa Bay, that's a problem. And without Daquan Jones, obviously that's a problem. And without Matt Milano, the biggest problem, right? You talk about the most consistent part of the Bills' defense and what makes them successful. We saw it with Daquan Jones out of the game against the Bengals last year, just how the defense did not look the same. And Matt Milano, you can argue, is you know on a team full of, of stars on defense – is the most important piece. And, you know, Dorian Williams doing what you're trying to do, Terrell Bernard, you know, making some plays, Tyrell Dotson, like, you know, I mean, he is what he is. I don't know what you can go out and get, but I think for a Sean McDermott-led team, that's the part where you can only say next man up so many times before your defense is full of backups. And on offense, you have what you signed up for at the beginning of the season, what you had through training camp with all of these pieces. So yeah, a shiny toy might, might help, but it's all about 17, man. And he is not playing like himself. I'm getting off onto different tangents here and I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Cause I, I agree. Good, good. Cause I, I like what you're saying. I agree. And I agree with you too. Um, yeah. I believe in the offense. So here's the thing. So 
again, with all due respect to some people like Aaron Quinn and, and, and Eric, these guys that cover one, it's primarily them, that I respect greatly that I'm going at it a little bit with this week because of the offensive metrics. And I just hate that that's getting thrown in my face to suggest they're good when I feel like with the naked eye, it's, they're not right now. But here's the thing. I do believe in this offense, and I don't think yeah. that they need to really add to it. What you need is to get Dalton Kincaid going, and you need to get James Cook going in the passing game. And if there's one positive that I feel like you could take away from Foxborough is that they started doing that. Kincaid had a great game. James Cook yeah. had a very productive game coming out of the backfield. I feel like the talent's there on offense. Cut down on the dumb penalties. Josh Allen does have to play better because I'm going to tell you right now, even after watching the film, I thought he was even worse after watching the film than I originally thought on Sunday. We know what he's capable of, though, and I think maybe some of that even might be a little bit mental. Not to get into that, I'm just talking about the way the offense is structured. Just oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe he feels a little bit handcuffed. Right now, he even mentioned that on during a press conference. He goes, maybe I need to think less. You know, So I, I, I believe in the offense. It's the defense that I'm worried about. Even though I'm fighting with fans and content creators about the offense, it is the defense because I feel like in Foxborough, you saw, you didn't see it in the Giants game, but you saw what happens with no Daquan Jones and Matt Milano. Not so much Trey White, but especially Jones and Milano because the fall off, especially with Ed Oliver not there, Tim Settle, Puna Ford. I mean, what the hell has happened to Puna Ford this year? What we were expecting versus what we're getting. And uh, Jordan Phillips, that fall off at defensive tackle is huge. And then the fall off with Dorian Williams and Dodson instead of Milano. That's huge. And that was huge against Mac Jones. What's going to happen when it's Joey Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts that are the quarterbacks of these other teams that are much better than New England? So, I don't know. Bills, Ant, I kind of feel like it's the X's and O's a little bit, whereas well, defense is like the Johnnies and Joes. That's how I feel right now. Well, and again, all that success that New England had, right, came up the middle running up mm -hmm. the middle, yeah. passing through the middle. Like that was the majority of the success that Mac Jones had in the passing game. Now, again, at least at the time that we're recording, Ed Oliver has had two limited practices um, heading into this game. What his practice yeah. status will be on Wednesday, we won't we won't know yet. Um, certainly a critical piece, right? When you talk about that drop-off, it's like, yeah, you're you're not going to get the same production from Tim Settle, who you're playing paying two million dollars a year, as Ed Oliver, who's you know averaging fifteen plus million dollars a year in a first round draft pick. Like it's not it's not supposed to be. So like let's you know you you get one of your stars out there that that you're going to need, and you see what what difference that that makes. And I hope that that makes a difference against against Tampa Bay because it was certainly noticeable on Sunday. Yeah, all right. Let's before we get into specifics about the game and what we hope to see about the Bills. I just wanted to spend a minute talking about Tampa. I feel like Tampa right now is, you know, we use that term mid. You hear that all the time. I kind of feel like that's what Tampa is right now. I think competition-wise, they're a step up above the Giants for sure and New England for sure, even though New England beat the Bills. They're certainly not Cincinnati or Philly you know, or Kansas City that'll be coming up on the Bills schedule. But they're again, they're also not the Giants, they're not Denver. I think this is a very capable football team. Um, they got some really good players, especially on defense. That's why Winfield is without question one of the best safeties um in the NFL. I looked it up before we started taping. He's got the third best overall grade per PFF of any safety in the NFL. He's great. 
uh, Vita Bella, the, the big ass, um, defensive tackle, man, he can wreck a game. He's got four sacks this year, 13 pressures, Shaquille Barrett, dangerous coming off the edge. Uh, they got two linebackers getting up there a little bit in age. Well, at least Levante, uh, David is not so much Devin White, but Devin White's had his ups and downs. But anyway, those are capable linebackers that have won a Super Bowl before on a, on a great defense in the past. So there's lots of weapons with Tampa. You know, you kind of described them as how Buffalo used to be. And now that you – I didn't think of that until you said it, but that, that's kind of resonated with me now. Lots of good individual players. Offense, obviously, you got two very dangerous um, receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So Baker Mayfield, again, yeah, I think he's better than Matt Jones and – and Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor, but, you know, he's not a great quarterback. But Tampa's a capable team. Like, this is not a team that, I don't think, the Bills can't sleep on anybody at this point, and they're not. But fans who are watching or listening, don't sleep on Tampa as some scrub team because they're not a scrub team. Yeah, no, they are They are certainly capable. And, you know, when Tom Brady retired last year, you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, the Bucs, they're just going to sort of crash back down. Baker Mayfield becomes their starting quarterback. You know, people could kind of chuckle about that because it's like, okay, here's a guy, right, getting booted off of Cleveland to the Panthers and then to the Rams as a backup. And it's just like then ending up in Tampa Bay. And, you know, what happens? They come out in week one. They beat the Minnesota Vikings, obviously a playoff team from, from last year. And say what mm -hmm. you want about the Vikings, but like, they're certainly capable as well. And now, sure. here, you know, hey, the you know, you've got the Bucks sitting at three and three weapons and Evans and Godwin that you're just like, okay, you can't you can't take anyone lightly. And their defense is is solid. This is the type of game where you know we can say like, yeah, the offense has to get right. But this is one where even if things were going well, the offense has to get out to a good start against an opponent like Tampa Bay. I don't know that they're equipped to play catch up if they get down two scores early um, type of scenario. But if you let them hang around, they can try and grind it out against you. And that's that's not what we're looking for uh, this week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I'm back here with Anthony Marino. You know, right before we uh, took a quick break, you were talking about, you know, grinding it out, stuff like that. I do feel like if the Bills do get up early, this is the game where they can really put the clamps. If you can make Tampa and Baker Mayfield specifically one-dimensional, you could have a lot of success um, against him. Let's talk about, I got about seven or eight things that I wrote down. That I feel like things that, besides winning the game, that goes without saying. From the Bills' perspective, uh, these are things that I think we really need to see against Tampa. And again, we'll start with the, the glaringly obvious, and that's, the offense I want we need to see a productive offense before it gets to be midway through the third quarter like we need to see the Bills offense come out and play well early um again 10 points combined in the last three first halves of games has been very frustrating to watch and it's a combination of the quarterback just playing a little bit better it's a combination of you know the offensive line blocking better um, we didn't talk about this at the opening. New England did a really good job of pressuring Josh Allen. They blitzed oh, yeah. him smartly. They just matched up real well. Match up issues, things that maybe Josh pre-snap didn't pick up on. But anyway, Josh Allen in, the, in this offense, we need to see them come out and, and play a full football game because they have not done that since Miami. Yeah, and I think for a lot of us, myself included, um, can feel a little hypocritical because it's like one of those where – you know, Josh says, like, oh, maybe I need to think less. And right, you you go through pieces and you talk to yourself in the past and it's like, gosh, I don't want Josh taking these hits. I don't want him running so much or, you know, at least like get out of bounds or slide or these types of pieces. And you talk about that that backyard football, you know, mentality that he can bring to a game that we've seen flashes of here and there. But certainly I don't think to the extent that we that we have before. And it kind of needs to get back to the point where it's a little bit of like, you know, he's just out there playing, right? Like, just just go play. And it's, uh, you know, I know that's like an oversimplification and folks might be, oh. you know, but it, it's it's just to that point of like, he can make the game look easy at times and he can do things that I've never seen any other quarterback do physically. Um, just go play, right? Don't think, just play. Any of the the greats out there, you know what they do. It's kind of like instinctual, out on the out on the floor or the field or the diamond or whatever sport that they're that they're playing. And for him, I think if he can get back to some of that, for him to acknowledge, maybe I need to be thinking less. I mean, it's one thing if it's just like, yeah, you know, I'm overthinking this situation or whatever it is. For him to verbalize it in a press conference, to me, that that says a lot that he personally is is not in the space that he that he wants to to be and i yeah. mean listen, we can talk about this team at a whole it, it starts and ends with with 17 when he's playing well you know everything is you know you got a real shot and if he's not it's going to make things a struggle so it's uh hopefully some of that acknowledgement this is a chance for him to to kind of reset you know if there's one thing about these defensive injuries that's glaring it is Maybe three weeks ago, Josh Allen cannot play well, and I feel like you still could have played. Even not less us is not well. He only plays average. I feel like your defense could go out and you could hold down even some of these best teams. But without DeQuan Jones, without Milano, without Trey White, 
I don't believe in that anymore. So now you're in a position where your quarterback has to go back to being maybe the best player on the field each week for you to win. And sticking with Josh Allen, the other thing that we need to see, and I don't think this is on him, talked about on the show a lot actually this week, the legs. He needs to be able to run the football, not maybe recklessly, but at least that threat needs to be back out there. It's been obvious, Ant, the last couple of weeks, man. This guy is just not – he's not running the football, and, and it looks obvious that he, it's almost like he's being coached not to. And Sean McDermott's the only guy on this team who has that power to reel him in. Everyone wants to kill Ken Dorsey all they want. It's Sean McDermott that's not having him run. 148 yards he's got on the ground this year. He's on base for his fewest rushing yards of his entire career. Need to start seeing more with his legs. Yeah, you, you need to start seeing more with his legs. And there's something, too, where it's just like, again, you kind of talk about the pace of things, some of the slow starts. I mean, we've been around long enough. You remember with Brian Dable, the team would come out and everything that they would have scripted early on would work. Then the Bills would come out in the second half and the third quarter would be horrible. Yeah. Right? Now it's a little bit of the opposite. Like whatever they're doing at the beginning of the game, whatever they're scripting and game planning for, not necessarily working. In the second half, you're starting to see things like, okay, it's picking back up. Maybe you're playing from behind, a little bit of that tempo, a little bit of that rhythm. Like, and this is going to sound like, you know, fantasy football bullshit, whatever. Like, but the Bills need to start playing. Like, listen, we got to put up 40 each game. And that's not to be disrespectful to your defense or anything along those lines. But like the teams that you're playing against, they are looking to grind out long drives against your defense. One, because they can right of like your the middle of your defensive line is is gashed up and your middle of your linebacker core is not what it used to be without Milano so you can kind of like pick it apart and put together these sustained drives well that's keeping the Bills offense off the field and if you're yeah. the Bills offense it's a little bit not to just say a sense of urgency it's not a sense of desperation that you have to be taking you know throwing 50 yard bombs here and there but it's just like pick up the pace Pick up the tempo. That is where your quarterback is best. It's clearly where your offense is best, which we've seen, right, these last couple of weeks. Like, okay, now all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter. You have no choice but to put your pedal to the metal and to go as quickly as you can on offense. How about you start doing that from the beginning of the game on Thursday night and from the beginning of every game moving forward? And if you win 40 to 30, great. If you win 40 to 7, even better. But it's just like, stop looking at this and, and just saying that like, eh, yeah, you take what's given to you, but let's pick up the pace. Let's, I always, I, I do too many basketball analogies and that's for, for those of you listening, that's where all of my coaching career has been spent so much time that I've spent and it's the game I know best, but it's like, if you have the Golden State Warriors, are you going to slow down the offense where you're trying to score 85, 90 points a game and grind this out? Or are you going to get up and down and you're going to have Steph and Clay shooting threes from 35 points at a clip because that is what they do best? And it is yeah. like we are – that is my frustration right now. It's my frustration with Ken Dorsey right now. And it's starting to become my frustration with Sean McDermott. And maybe I'm giving the head coach a little bit too much credit or too much blame but to your point, there's only one person that can kind of like put the wraps on on this and slow things down. And and if that is Sean McDermott right now, he needs to kind of cut it out and and let your offense play at the pace that they are designed to play at. Like yeah. 
That is what they are designed to play at. That's why you bring in Dalton Kincaid. That's why you have James Cook. That's why you have a thoroughbred golden retriever, whatever you want to call him, of a quarterback that can run for 30 yards on any broken play that is out there. Yes, teach him to slide. Teach him to get out of bounds. All of those things. But good God, it's like that is the one part where I'm starting to get frustrated with the coaching staff. And it is, um, yeah. Right. I think everybody who's watching or, or listening to this agrees with you. I think the problem is, is just not in Sean McDermott's nature to be that kind of coach and have that kind of philosophy. And with Brian Dable, and look, this ain't speculation. You saw the video. We all saw the video. Brian Dable's relationship with Sean McDermott, not good. And but I'm going to disagree different. with you real quick, and I, I, I hate to cut you off, but it's also like I feel like with McDermott, though, it's almost the point is it because your defense is struggling, you're trying to get more of these longer sustained drives on offense to kind of almost shorten the game yourself. It's like kind of going backwards, right? Like when your defense was clicking on all these cylinders, like, yeah, let the offense go bonkers. Let them go crazy because – whatever, we're going to get the stops, the offense. If you get a quick three and out, no big deal. It kind of needs to be the opposite, right? Like your offense needs to be delivering because your defense is not what it should be, right? So you need to make the opposing offense one-dimensional and you are not doing that with the dink and dunk, slow, methodical drives on offense that are taking place right now. And I do think that's McDermott because he's such a defensive-minded coach. It's just like, hey, having the offense put together these long, sustainable drives, that keeps the defense off the field and keeps it from honestly exposing any of the weaknesses that they have. So yeah. sorry, yeah. I cut you off. I don't mean to- No, do no, 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 no. That, that, that's fine. I And I agree. I, I, I really do. I'm just, I'm concerned about the, the the head coach's fingerprints being on the offense. I agree with what you said. The Golden State Warriors reference was what I'm talking about too. Uh, moving on to Gabe Davis. I, we I want to see him have more than one catch for six yards. Now I also want to be fair to Gabe Davis. If you want to have an offense that has Stefan Diggs getting fed as one of the best receivers in the NFL, which he is, and you want to have an offense that you can run the ball more effectively. And you want an offense where you want Dalton Kincaid, your first round pick, to catch six to eight passes in a football game like he did on Sunday. And you want James Cook to be able to come out of the backfield. And you want to start getting Shakir and Deontay Hardy and maybe Sherfield more involved in that slot positional role. There's only one football. Somebody's stats are going to suffer. And it certainly looks like it's going to be Gabe Davis. And I always say this I hate that wide receiver two number or you know label put on somebody. Make plays when you're called upon. He only had one catch for six yards on Sunday, but it's not like he dropped three passes either. So I don't know. I want to see him have more than one catch for six yards, but he doesn't need to go out and have seven catches for for 110 yards and a touchdown either if you want everything going on your offense. But it is frustrating to to, to see him only have one catch for six yards. So let's get those numbers up some. And it's one of those, it's like, again, where I'm I'm guilty. I thought the Bills should have extended Gabe Davis uh, before this season. Now I'm certainly questioning that, right? Or like, what does that contract extension look like? Because certainly not in the yeah. you know, four years, $45 million piece that we talked about weeks yeah. ago. It's almost like, yeah, you're bringing this guy in at, you know, three years, $21 million type of thing. And, and that's where he is. Like, 
Gabe Davis, there's a wide variance of what you get from him, but but one one out of six is is not it's not good enough, right? right. And whether that's the crispness of his routes, if it's what you know, Josh Allen being inaccurate with the pass, whatever it is. I mean, heck, even him, you know, three catches on six targets for like 30 yards makes a hell of a difference in a game like this that you're that you're playing. But it is just um that part is frustrating because again. You, you, we've all seen the good. I just mean the good, not even like the the greatness that he is has shown. But sometimes just the lack of consistency there makes it tough, man. Yeah, um, like I said, you, you you can't have everything on offense. Even if the offense yeah. is good, you can only have you know so much. You, you talk about Jamar Chase and Higgins with Cincy; they're one-two receivers. Well, if they're both going, somebody's not. The tight end's not going. The running backs aren't going. So it's kind of like pick your poison. Um, my biggest bright spot from Sunday was the play of Dalton Kincaid and yeah. and James Cook. Oh, I, I want to see that continue in the passing game. Kincaid had eight catches for 75 yards. Doesn't need to have eight catches for me to consider him having a good game. But I want to see him involved. He was involved in the offense in a more meaningful way. Not just a little two-yard dump-offs like we've seen for most of the first six weeks. And then Cook coming out of the backfield. I mean, literally, he scored a touchdown catching the ball out of the backfield. That's where I feel like he's at his best. So I want to see that be a become a trend and not just an anomaly, like, you know, because of the New England game. Yeah, and Kincaid, eight for eight. I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's great. Like, and if you told me that before the game, Dalton Kincaid's going to catch all eight of his targets for 75 yards. I would have thought like, oh my gosh, the Bills are going to run away with this one, right? Yeah. Like you're finally using this guy and putting him in a situation to succeed. Um, I just hope there is there is more of that. And I know sometimes we can say like, hey, you know, a rookie tight end doesn't need to get that many targets each and every game. Um, I sure hope he does. And in a weird way, it's kind of like, I hate to see um, Dawson Knox miss time with an injury. But maybe this just is going to be like, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll we'll just see more of Dalton Kincaid being the guy, not this like, well, who's going to be getting the the targets? Obviously, Knox has a rapport with Allen. Like, all out to Kincaid. Put whatever blocking tight end you want to have out there. If you want to have uh, a six lineman to you know, as far as like your twelve personnel goes. And just let him be the pass catcher that he's supposed to be and not worry about who's getting more snaps or more targets or this and that. Just keep feeding him. You know, if I, with total respect to Dawson Knox, and I'm not happy he got hurt. I'm certainly not happy he needs to have surgery again. He's been a very useful to good player over the last couple of years. Just wasn't looking right this year. And also this 12 personnel, we wanted it to work. It just, I feel like it, it wasn't working. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you're at home and you, and you watch your kids, you know, you're trying to raise your kids a certain way. And then at some point you realize maybe that doesn't work. Are you going to keep double down on what you're doing? Or are you going to make some changes and, and kind of figure things out? This offense now will be different because they won't be using as much 12 personnel because they don't have two tight ends yeah. like they did as capable as, as Knox and Kincaid. I do like Quinn and Morris. Um, even though we are taping this early Wednesday before practicing, and I've already heard Quinny Morris definitely will not be playing on Thursday night. But anyway, I think you're going to start to see more one tight end and three wide receivers uh, and maybe even sometimes four split outsets. I think that suits this offense better anyway. You Listen, know what man, I'm saying? The, the more that we see Deontay Hardy on the field, 
the better. And I know it's like, you know, we can talk about years past and Isaiah McKenzie and all this, like, listen, someone with that speed being on the field, whether you put them in motion or the threat of a jet sweep or anything along those lines, like I realize it is like the size will give you some limitations, but I just feel like the more going back to what we said before, you have the speed, put it on the field, utilize it make the safeties from Tampa Bay respect that it's on the field or at least know where he is at all times versus, and as you were saying, like Dawson Knox, like, yeah, he's not going to have that athleticism, you know, the ability that he has to to help out with the offensive line and do some of those things, realize he's doing what he's being asked of, but like, you've got this race car in the garage, take it out see what you got yeah. there. Yeah. You know, Sunday, even if it was just a little bit of glimpses, when you look at Shakir and Hardy, I feel like that was the first time where I felt like, all right, you know, Cole Beasley catching those passes, moving the change, little shiftiness. That was a little bit of Shakir. And then obviously the good Isaiah McKenzie from that, like that one catch that Hardy had made two guys miss, picked up a big first down. That looked like that Isaiah McKenzie. So maybe now, like I said, maybe they can get that part of the offense going. And maybe it might be easier without Dawson Knox in the lineup because of the two tight end thing. Uh, other side of the ball. And again, I got to keep emphasizing this. We're taping this Wednesday. We do not know Ed Oliver's status for Thursday night as we tape this. We do know that the Bills are signing uh, Eli Anku, which I, a lot of excitement on social media about the guy. I don't dislike him. He is a true one tech, so maybe he will help. Um, but this is the guy who's been you know, on the team and re released and practice squad and back a, a million times. But anyway, him aside, because who knows if he's actually going to come into the lineup and play right away. I need to see something positive from Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, and, and Puna Ford because the PFF, the metrics, and the film all suggested that they were horrifically bad against Sunday. There was one play you could, I saw it on Twitter. Jordan Phillips got like run out. Somebody said he got kicked out of the club. He got pulled back like 25 yards on one play. And, and this defensive line's got to have some kind of resistance. If Ed Oliver is not playing, you can't just say, well, they don't have that either and, and then go out and do nothing or you're going to have a lot more games like you did in Foxborough. Need to see some from the DT position. Yeah, I mean, that is uh, it goes without being said. I mean, I don't have anything kind of ranted about it beforehand. Like, yeah, I just really hope Ed Oliver is back. Yeah, so do I, man. You know what? That contract looks better now, doesn't it? A lot of people this sure summer does. are like, oh, you gave four years, 68 million, really? Well, you see why they did, because he's very valuable, straight up. Um, defensive end, too. Greg Rizzo, which, man, I, I don't know. The way he looked, I don't think I've ever seen him look. Well, I have. It's been a while since I've seen him be such a non-factor. And I do think it's because of the foot. He's trying to play through a foot. Maybe you could try to get by against Tampa without it. They got 10 days um, after this game. I don't know what the philosophy is going to be towards Rizzo. There, he hasn't been on the injury report as anything more than limited, so I think he's probably going to play. But I'd like to see the Greg Rizzo that I've really come to know now, uh, Leonard Floyd. You know, nobody on the defensive line did shit against the Patriots. Let's just throw that out there. They got 10 defensive linemen. None of them did anything uh, against the Patriots. Definitely want to see that change. And then the corners. Look, you're not going to get tested against Matt Jones or, or Taylor too much. You're going to get tested when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are the two wide receivers. And uh, I, it's going to be a test for Dane Jackson and for Christian Benford. And this is a, a test that they're going to need to pass or Tampa's going to have a lot of success 
on offense. It's been about the front seven, I feel like, with the Bills so far. But this might be a game where the corner's got to make some plays. Well, and honestly, I'm I'm looking at that third corner in Teron Johnson, who has been um, so good for the Bills for a number of years. But the game against New England, not a good game for him, right? I mean, uh, nope. a dropped interception that you know was was in his hands. Um, Two just, critical it, penalties. Yeah, it just it just was not a good game for him. No. And, and you know, here is a guy that. I'll say deserves the benefit of the doubt for for how well he has played. Sometimes you are going to have a bad game. That happens. Yeah. Um, but for a, you know, when you you looked at, I can't remember what Mac Jones passing was, but it was something like 18 out of 20 completions in the middle of the field. And it was just, right, the linebackers, Teron Johnson, it just was not the best game for him. So um, that is probably a guy when you talk about the chance to get back on the field and, and sort of correct correct some certain things. I, I hope that will be for, for him on Thursday. Yeah. Johnson and Greg Rizzo are two great players, yeah. great players who had terrible games on Sunday. I'm interested to see if, if McDermott goes back to Dorian Williams, who has looked really good at times, but he's also been benched two of the last three games that he's played in. Again, it goes back to the whole Matt Milano thing. Uh, one, one other thing too, that I had not a, big deal but it could be Tyler Bass has missed three kicks now in two weeks and uh I'm not gonna say I'm too concerned about that but you know you get in a, a kicker's head a little bit uh you know close game a wild game who knows how it plays out you know I don't want my kicker missing any more field goals although to be fair two to three were long but it was only a 42 yarder in Foxborough I just I want to see him nail a couple I guess is what I'm saying get 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 him right again because He's been one of those dependable players on this team. And if you're missing three kicks in two weeks, you're not really being uh, dependable. I'll be honest. I'm worried about him. I mean, and and that is a that is a guy that like, you know, Tyler Bass is not your kicker to be uh, knocking in 34-yard chip shots. Like that's, that's not why you have him. Mm -hmm. It's to be able to, yeah, from 40, 50 yards plus to, to be reliable there. And, and listen, trust me, I'm not sitting here looking and saying like a 52-yard field goal should be automatic. But when you've missed three in the last two weeks for some games that have been closer than they need to be, you play against some decent defenses and things that take place there, it's like that needs to be a guy that you can can count on. And that's not the case right now. And I don't yeah. know. I said something on Twitter the other day. I did jump in at a couple points because um you know when Knox dropped the pass on the fourth down you know I know he took a big hit with it it's you know it's a drop it's one he's got to come down with but you know in that fourth down situation it's like well would the Bills have gone for it if they had more confidence in Tyler Bass at this time if he hadn't missed the field goal earlier in two the week before right. you know do you go in that situation and cut it to three where it's just like you know hey because Listen, you cut it to three. You got a guy that can hit a sixty-yarder. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, we're we're gonna have a, a chance if the, you know, if we can get a stop, or even if you're running out of time, or whatever it may be. I don't know. I mean, many will say, like, listen, if you can't pick up two yards in a fourth down situation, what are you doing here? But it just was, um, yeah. I, I guess I'm just a little bit concerned because he's been so Fair. automatic. He's been yeah. automatic, and it's yeah, like that's yeah. one of those things. You don't want to question as a, a fan or a coach at any point. So uh, so I hope that, again, it's something where he can just kind of get that 
I don't even want to say that he's lost his confidence back, but it just maybe where I can get that confidence back in him as a uh, well. I mean, maybe maybe he's one or two kicks away from Sean McDermott losing his confidence in him. And to your point, yeah. that might affect you taking the points on a drive as opposed to maybe an unsuccessful fourth down conversion or even worse, a punt. So yeah. for sure, let me put you on the spot before we we do. I call it a little get right therapy at the very end here, but I'm going to put you on the spot with a uh, with a prediction. It's a short week. They've played shitty on offense for big chunks of the game, three straight weeks. They barely beat the Giants. They lost to the Patriots. They're home. They have all the incentive in the world to have a bounce-back game. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, I look at it as kind of an ugly game, and I say that meaning that um, you're playing against a good Tampa Bay defense, a decent team on a short week. You know, I, I look at it maybe like 20 to 10 bills. Right, okay. you get a couple of touchdowns, you get a couple of field goals. The even as I say it, it's like I don't know. Can the defense hold anybody to ten points right now? I'm not quite sure with what's going on, but you know, I think kind of one of those where it's just uh, you know, it's going to be like a little bit of one of those uglier Thursday night games. I don't think the fan base is going to come away from it feeling like, hey, the offense is fixed. This is this is perfect. This is exactly what what we were looking for. But uh, I'm hopeful at least enough bright signs with it that then you come away and it's like you, you've got some extra rest to that I feel like this team needs right now. I feel that the leash at Highmark Stadium with the fans is going to be really quick. And if this offense comes out, maybe one, two drives, maybe even one drive and look shitty on, the fans are going to let them know about it. That said, yeah. despite Every metric and trend that would suggest otherwise, I feel like the Bills are going to put up 35 points or more on Tampa. Don't really necessarily know why. I just feel like this is the week where things are going to come together. I've hit on this a couple times. I think this offense is going to be ready to play better because they're going to be done with a two tight end personnel that I think they've struggled with. And I think Dalton Kincaid is going to have a more prominent role going forward. And I believe the slot receiver is going to matter more now like it used to. And I think the result is, and maybe even a couple of Josh Allen scrambles. I think this is the week where the Bills offense comes out of its uh, shitty shell. And uh, it's going to be a fun 10 days too, by the way, if they win. It's going to be interesting to see what Brandon B might do because they play on Thursday. Detroit deadline's next Tuesday. They got a couple extra days to evaluate their roster as opposed to playing on Sunday. Maybe that's the one advantage we didn't talk about about playing on Thursday. And we'll see what Brandon Bean does. He's got to do something. I, I think he's got to do something on the defense. Um, and if they lose this game, they're in a world of trouble, Ant. A world of trouble if they're four and four. Yeah, I, I mean, I like your assessment and everything that you that you said there. I don't know what to make of the trade deadline. And I get it. We probably won't talk bef before then because it's a little bit of that point, too, of just, you know, do the Bills look at this team and say, we're going to utilize valuable assets for right now. And I say that because, right, you can look at guys that they could potentially be losing as free agents next year. Are they going to need to go with more of a youth movement? It's going to be a really interesting week and not to sidetrack with another mm. topic there, but uh, I think how, how things go on Thursday night will sort of dictate some of that, right? If the bills win yeah. 30, 35 to seven, it's just like, yeah, I don't think they're going to make any trade type of piece, right? I would just be like, oh, they're going to think everything is fine. If they got to slog it out and it's kind of one of those ugly wins, you know, maybe that's yeah. showing some more of their deficiencies. But 
Yeah, that that is an advantage of playing on Thursday this week. So maybe one one less reason to hate Thursday night football for the Bills. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, usually we do a finish a sentence segment, but I've been in a shitty mood all week. I feel like I I, I kind of needed some therapy. So I, I, I'm calling this get right therapy. Just a couple little quick questions for you. Um, just to make me feel a little bit better, I suppose. And again, everybody watching, listening, thank you so much. I, I, I truly appreciate you. I want you to name, I, I gave you an assignment here. Let's see if you understood the assignment. One song, one movie, one TV show that will always put you in a good mood, no matter how shitty you may be feeling at the time. Like say you watched that game last Sunday, and you're ready to to punch a wall, like I certainly was. Like, give me a song, a movie, and a TV that even when you're in that bad of a mood, it'll it'll make you feel better. Sure. And these are things that I always consider like guilty pleasures, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's those things that you might be a little like, ah, you know, like, are you really gonna say that this is something you love? I I I wear it, I own it, and it is completely so. Uh, one song, easy, best song ever by One Direction. Guaranteed to put me in a good mood any single time. Those One Direction boys, I don't care if you can say like they're for teeny bottom. Any me? of this type of stuff, those boys kill it. And best song ever, it. it's like that just will put a smile on your face. If you're driving in the car, you will be, you know, singing along. My buddy Tim, we got kind of this running thing of just like whenever it comes on, I take a screenshot, I send him a text, and it's just uh it's guaranteed to put me in a good mood. Yeah, that's that. I love One Direction. All right, all right. Yeah. Movie, um, movie. Uh, again, anyone that follows me on on Twitter has probably seen some of my rants about this before. Easy choice, Pitch Perfect. Um, and despite whatever Ryan Talbot says from NewYorkUpstate.com, I will take any of the three. But the uh, the original Pitch Perfect movie, uh, feel good as I always will put it. It is the uh, the Rocky of acapella movies. I don't know if there's other acapella movies out there, but for me, it is just uh, fantastic. I cannot have a good enough time watching that movie. <laughs> a favorite of our our family, and even I uh, have the soundtrack downloaded on my phone. Sometimes when you're in the car, something random will will pop up from from that, and uh, that is guaranteed to put me in a good mood. Any bad day, pitch perfect, total go to. That's fair. All right. TV show. You know, TV show. I mean, there's a couple that we talk about all the time. So I'm not going to talk about Ted Lasso right. more because that is too easy. Right. I'm not going to talk about community more because that is too easy. Um, it was a toss up for me. Kim's Convenience. I absolutely love a little bit of a uh, lesser known shows for for fans. Simi Lu, who is uh, people know him as Shang-Chi from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Always love. But I had to go with Scrubs. Right. When 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 you look at Scrubs and certainly there are some some deep episodes um, that came from their run. But like JD and Turk and their friendship and just sort of the the silliness. Um, and again, no surprise, another Bill Lawrence show, the creator of, of Ted Lasso. But um, what that show is, the relationship that those two have, and, and even just when you think of that entire cast, like there's always just going to be a moment that could could put a smile on your face. And I'm you know, I'm I'm not a student of the show in the way that you know folks like yourself are with the office, but when you just think of Scrubs and and what that that was, that uh that can really always put you in a in a good mood. I like Scrubs a lot. Well, for people watching or listening to, I'd I'd love to hear 
their answer. So whether you're dropping in the YouTube comments or yeah. tweet at me, email me, I'd love to hear your takes as well. I'm going to keep mine real short here. Uh, song, Christopher Cross Sailing. I, that's still one of my favorites. It's just a perfect vibe song for me. It always, it'll relax me. Like if I'm hyper, if, if I'm really angry, I hear that song and I'm kind of, you know, by the end, I'm just kind of like in a chill mode. Uh, movie, this is kind of recent. I don't even remember if we've talked about this or not, if you've seen it. Coda. Have you seen Coda? No. And I Gotta need to, see I need to watch it. I need to watch it. It yeah. literally won the Oscar for Best Picture. I yeah. think that, that might be my favorite movie in the last 10 years, maybe even longer. It's just, again, without giving any details away, especially since you haven't seen it, it's just a movie that's going to make you feel good. I promise you that. It's going to make you feel good. And then TV shows, yeah, I agree with you. I could easily say Ted Lasso. It kind of feels like low-hanging fruit right now. I could also say Shit's Creek. I've talked about that show several times. I'm going to go with a show that's kind of effed up. But Sunny in Philadelphia. It's always Sunny in Philadelphia. That show always puts me in a good mood just because it's so damn funny. Just three guys who just treat each other like shit. And then, you know, D and then Danny DeVito. It's a perfect cast. Um, it's just absolutely hilarious. So even if I'm in a rotten ass mood, I'm going to watch that TV show and I'm just going to start laughing in a different way. Not in a, you know, feel good kind of scrubs way, but then a ah, yeah. so screwed up kind of way with, uh, with Sonny in Philadelphia. One, one last question too. I wanted you to name a specific childhood memory, something random specific that, that makes you smile. If you think about it today. Yeah, I so, smile at the end of this after this week, man. I got a smile. Yeah, you know, and Pat, we grew up in that golden era of when uh, trading cards was at its height, right? Mm -hmm. It went from sort of something that became overproduced and kind of got out of whack. But you know, growing up as a kid, getting getting packs of cards, there was just an excitement, the unknown, what was going to be inside. You know, if you open it, you get a a great rookie card, one of your favorite players. Um, I would always remember as a kid on Valentine's Day, you know, my dad would come home from work. He'd bring my sisters. I don't remember if he got them like flowers or candy or something like that. And he would always get me a box of, uh, you know, tops baseball trading cards, mm -hmm. you know, so 36 packs. And I would remember I would open four packs a day, just four packs a day to stretch it out over nine days. So like, I'm not usually a patient person, but always remember that and just that time of like whether it was saving up money from a paper route or you got money from family or whatever it was like getting to the convenience store getting packs and just that like opening a pack and getting like a yeah Cal, Cal Ripken card or a Kirby Puckett or Eric Davis like guys that that stood out to me Daryl Strawberry Doc Gooden like just that sense of joy and excitement that could come at a point in life, just something so simple, um, you know, and we're talking about something you were buying for like 35 or 50 cents a pack at the time. Like yeah. we're not talking about some, some huge present or gift or something inordinate, but like getting a pack of cards. I love that. And I still have all the boxes here. I mean, I know most of them are like worthless at this point, but it's like, you're well, they're not worthless to you. No, but you know what I mean? Like sure. from a, you know, you, you go through with it and just, uh, you know, to have that to me, that's a, that's always a great memory. Yeah. I, I was really big into baseball cards as well. And it's funny now how much they cost. It's God, it, it's unbelievable. How, how lucky we were as kids to yeah. not get ripped off, um, buying them. 
My specific one that I thought of, and this is kind of what made me ask the or ask you the question. It's not my favorite memory. I like I said, it's a specific kind of random one, but the year was 1982. I think it was 10. And I went to see Rocky three in the theater. And I was so excited because I loved rock. And I'm telling you, and, and I'm actually going to tell people right now how popular at the time the Rocky Balboa franchise was, because I'll never forget this. My aunt took me to the movie, got our tickets, went inside the theater. It was somewhere in Amherst. And the previous, like the, the movie was playing for the previous audience. Before you even went in, you could hear roars coming out of the theater from the crowd, which I would find out later. It's because, you know, he beats uh, Clover Lang in the rematch and stuff like that. But, oh, my God, I still to this day can remember when I think of movies, that's one of the first things I always think of, the roar from the crowd, which really brought me back and, and, and made me remember how big at the time the Rocky franchise was and how how popular Rocky Balboa was, man. Everybody is rooting for his ass, and you could just hear the roars coming from the theater. I could not wait to get in there and watch the movie because of that. That kind is of, yeah, kind of random, but no, but that's a that's a great one, right? I mean, you think about I mean, we talk about movies and stuff so so often when you you know when you think of that, like sometimes it's just the the experience, right? And they'll say, like, yeah. oh, this is something you have to see in a theater. Like it gives you that experience. I do remember is I we saw Rocky three. We went to the drive-in. We went to the drive-in movie theater to uh, to to see that and just uh, kind of always remember that one. But just yeah. what that's a that's a great memory, man. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a lot of fun to think about just that crowd and my aunt being the one who took me. It was uh it was definitely a uh, a lot of fun. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode. Make sure you follow Anth on Twitter at Anth Marino. If you have not followed or, or, or liked or whatever it is now that they call it on Apple and, and Spotify, make sure you do that. That really helps us continue to grow this show. I'm going to be honest with you, Anth. I don't know if I'm going to do a show yet because this is dropping Thursday. If the Bills win, I'm going to do a post game. Yeah. If the Bills lose, I might get away from social media for the next four days and get away from podcasting for uh the next four days. I always appreciate you having you on, though, man. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, buddy. All right, guys, and I will be back with a new episode tomorrow. Well, maybe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.